That was a great last hymn. The Bible says there's a time coming that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And twice in the New Testament that verse is found. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open, if you would please, to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, the scriptures will be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read verses 39 down through verse 47. John chapter 5, verses 39 down through 47. The Bible says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you even Moses in whom ye trust. For had you believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning as we're about to look into your word and you've given me the opportunity and the privilege this morning to preach the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord, that this morning as we spend these next minutes looking at these scriptures, that we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to our hearts, that you would draw each of us closer, Lord, to you. I pray, Lord, whether it be on the live stream or if someone's here today that has never received Christ as their Savior, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move in their heart, cause them to realize their need of Christ, their lost condition and the reality of who Jesus is and why He has come. I pray, Lord, that despite my own faults and failures, my own weaknesses, that You'd use me this morning as Your instrument. Give me the words to say. As Paul said in the book of Ephesians, Lord, give me utterance that I might proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. Thank You again for each and every day that You give us. Thank you most of all for the precious blood of Jesus. For we ask all of these things in his name. Amen. In two weeks, just a little over two weeks, will be the 15th anniversary of what was referred to as the Miracle of the Hudson. And on January the 15th, almost 15 years ago now, 90 seconds after takeoff from the Guardia Airport, the now famous U.S. Airways Flight 1549 lost all engine power when it hit a flock of geese. They were 3,200 feet above the Hudson River. And I've taken, if you've ever flown out of LaGuardia Airport, I've taken that route where you take off and the planes fly up the Hudson River. Even if you're heading south, they fly north and then they bank and they head south. And it's a beautiful flight because you can see on the left side 
uh, the Manhattan skyline as you take off. But this Airbus, Airbus 320, took off and hit these geese, and they lost all engine power. Three and a half minutes later, the crippled Airbus touched down on the Hudson River on what could have been a major loss of life, but it became a textbook moment in crisis management. Listening to the cockpit communications, it became quickly apparent that the miracle on the Hudson was made possible by the skill and the poise and the careful coordination of Captain Chesley Sullenberger and First Officer Jeff Skiles. Yet the transcript also reveals the importance of a tool that for decades has helped pilots manage both the routine and the unexpected during the flight. The tool is the checklist. And indeed, moments before the bird strikes, Sullenberg is heard saying on the cockpit recorder, after takeoff checklist complete. Upon losing power, the first directive he gives to Skiles is get out the QRH. The QRH stands for the Quick Reference Handbook. Now, when I read this some time ago, I always thought that was, there they are, 3,200 feet above uh, New York City, above the Hudson River. They've lost power. And the calm and cool and collectiveness is, oh, by the way, we've hit geese. Get out the Quick Reference Handbook. Let's see what we do. But the tool, the Quick Reference Handbook, was an invaluable tool. They were trained as pilots to do that. The, quick, the QRH, the Quick Reference Handbook, is a manual consisting largely of checklists to be utilized in troubleshooting various problems. Loss of cabin pressure, engine failure. I'm not sure there was a chapter on hitting geese, but uh, this is what they were to look at. So after the order is given, Skiles and Sullenberger can be heard working through a series of steps designed to, stay, to save a flight from what would have been catastrophe. And as they attempted to address the emotional fraught and seemingly impossible situation, the two pilots just had that simple resource to manage the routine and the unexpected during flight. Well, you and I as believers, we don't have the QRH, we have the B-I-B-L-E, amen? And uh, so that's my message for you this morning. Jesus said, search the scriptures. Search the scriptures, he says here. That's our quick reference handbook. Life is filled with moments and circumstances, trials and difficulties that challenge our faith. And God has given us his word. Uh, whereby we come to faith and whereby we live out our faith as believers in the Word of God. And um, it is the greatest tool uh, that the world has ever known for every situation in life. It is invaluable. We've always, as a church, believed ourselves to be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, and Bible-teaching church. Everything rises and falls on the word of God. And just as those two pilots found themselves in crisis management, they knew where to turn. They had gone to, to, to flight school. They had gone, I'm sure, through training after training after training. And the calmness and the collectiveness uh, that they had in order to land that flight on the Hudson River uh, was just amazing. 
as we enter into the year, into 2024, I guess my challenge to you this morning is search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. And so, as we look at verse 39, and really I'm going to spend most of my time just in this one verse this morning, but just to give you a little bit of the, of the setting here, of the backdrop of what's taking place. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he's already declared himself, and it's been evident to the religious leaders that uh, he is claiming himself to be God. In fact, just quickly, if you have your Bibles open, if we were to go back to verse 18 of chapter 5, listen to what it says. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. That's why they wanted to, and they wanted to kill him. That's why they would want to stone him. He was making himself equal with God because he is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen? And so that's, that's the context of this year. And so he then, and we're not going to spend time in it, but I just want you to see it. In verses 32 through 35, he, he says, listen, in verse 32, there's another that beareth witness of me. And he's referring to John the Baptist. In verse 33, he sent unto John, and he bare witness of the truth. And so he says, listen, if you don't believe me, John has come, prophesied in the Old Testament that he was, would come as a forerunner and that he would declare who I am. You have that witness. And then the second witness, he says, is this in verse 36. He says, but I even have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me. You've seen the miracles that I've performed. He had already performed miracles. In fact, early on in the chapter, it is the, it is the uh, account of the man at the pool of Bethesda who lay there. And that's the account, if you remember, where all the folk who were blind or maimed or whatever their disease might be, they would lay it by the side of the pool and uh, the angel would come and stir the water. And if someone would put them in, they could be healed. And there was no one there to put that man in. And it was Jesus that said, just rise up and walk. And he healed that man. And there were other miracles that he had already performed early on in the ministry. He says, you have the witness of John. You also have the witness of the miracles. But in verse 39, it's the third witness. He says, listen, if, if you don't want to believe the miracles, if you don't want to believe the witness of John, search the scriptures. Look into the word of God. See what the word of God says. And so that's my message this morning. The man of God telling us to search the scriptures. So three simple points to the message. The plan, the promise, and the person. All found in verse 39. So again, search the scriptures. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing. And many of you know this verse. So finish it with me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by yeah, the word of God. The word of God. Our entire faith is based upon what the Bible says, what the word of God says. It's our QRH, the B-I-B-L-E. On your handout, Acts chapter 17, 
Paul was preaching and he said this with regards to those that were from Berea. He said, these were no, more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now there's two books of the Bible written, letters to the church in Thessalonica. And, and the believers in Thessalonica, Paul commends them, those believers. But he says, but those that lived in Berea, they were even a step above you. He says that they, when they received the word with all readiness of mind, they searched the scriptures daily. Every day they were in the word of God. If, if you, I'm not a big one on New Year's resolutions and, and all of that, but if, if you were to make a New Year's resolution, I would encourage you to make this resolution that you would script, yeah, script, you would search the scriptures daily. Every day. Because that's what the Bereans did. That's what the first century Christians did. And I would dare say if the first century Christians did it, don't you think the 21st century Christians should do it as well? Maybe I'll get an amen off of that. If you think the first century Christians did it, don't you think the 21st century Christians should do it as well? Amen. Well, there you go. Amen. That's our example. But if you don't want the church, the first century church as an example, look again on your handout, Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. Now this is when Jesus has already been to the cross, crucified, buried. He's risen from the dead here and he's on the road to Emmaus. And there's still a lot of confusion. The disciples don't even realize what's happening yet. And so he meets two that are on the road to, to Emmaus. One of them was uh, Cleophas and the other I... The other is not even named. And so they, they, they don't even rec recognize who Jesus is. And uh, so they begin to talk to Jesus, and Jesus asked them some questions. And they said to Jesus, haven't you heard what's been going on in Jerusalem? And uh, Jesus kind of goes along with all of it. And then, then he, he declares himself unto them. And look what the scriptures say in verse 27 on your handout. Here's the example of Jesus. And beginning at Moses. So we're talking Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's what he's referring to when it says beginning at Moses, the Old Testament scriptures. Beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded unto them all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So we have the example of the first century church. We have the example, most importantly, of our Savior he expounded unto them the scriptures. And you know what it said in verse 32? You know what they said? When, when, the, when the, they were walking with him and Jesus was, was, was speaking to them and, and referring to the scriptures, they said that our hearts burned within us when he opened unto us the scriptures. The entire Protestant Reformation started on the theme of sola scriptura. And Martin Luther, the, to the scriptures, to the scriptures, to the scriptures, to the scriptures. If nothing else, make 2024 the year of the scriptures, that you'd be like the Bereans, that you would search the scriptures. Let the scriptures speak to your heart. Let the scriptures burn within you. Look at, look at verse 46. Here was the problem, the, the folks that Jesus is talking to here. He said to them, previous, uh, he had said, you know, you don't even believe who I am. But in verse 46, he says, 
For had you believed Moses, meaning the Old Testament scriptures, you would have believed me. For they wrote of me. He wrote of me. Moses in the Old Testament, he wrote about me. And you... Now, he's speaking to religious leaders here. These were people who studied the scriptures. So you're, you're students, supposed to be students and leaders of the scriptures, and you don't even recognize, you don't even realize that the scriptures are speaking about me. If you had believed not, verse 47, but if you believe not his writings, how should you believe my words? There's a great illustration, you don't need to turn there, but in the Gospel of Luke, it's the rich man and Lazarus. And in Luke, Luke chapter number 16, there's the rich man and there's Lazarus. The, Lazarus was poor. He sat at the foot of the table of the rich man. He ate the crumbs. His body was filled with sores. The dogs, the Bible says, licked his sores. Both Lazarus and the rich man die. The rich man lifts up his eyes in hell Lazarus is in, at that time, what would be paradise because Jesus had not yet died and paid for our sins. And that's a whole other message for a whole other time. But there's the rich man. And he, the Bible says that he is in torment. And the Bible says, send, send, he said to Abraham, send someone to speak to my five brothers because I don't want them to come here. And the scriptures say this. Listen, I have it down on my notes. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophet, prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And, he, and Abraham said, Listen, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, even though one has been risen from the dead. Everything rises and falls on the scriptures. Everything. And here Jesus is challenging them. Listen, you've had the witness of John the Baptist. You've had the witness of the miracles. You have the scriptures. Look to the scriptures. Read the scriptures. You'll see that they speak of me. When that Airbus was in crisis the first thing that they turned to was that QRH because they knew that the, that's the plan. What's the plan? What's the plan? You see, there are not many roads to heaven. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goeth unto the Father but by me. Now, I was down yesterday. We went down to the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, and uh, I'd never been there before, and we decided to go. And Rockwell did a, a, a painting of, uh, I, think it was, I think it was Roosevelt. I think they were called the Four Truths. And one of them was freedom of religion. And I believe in freedom of religion. I believe that you can believe in anything that you want to believe. But I also only believe that there's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. I mean, our whole country was founded on the freedom of, of, of religion. And so if someone wants to believe that the tree is a god, they have that right. But I believe that there was a tree that my God hung on and died and paid for my sin because that's the plan that's found in the Bible. Amen? 
And so that's the plan. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And there's the promise that's given. The promise is eternal life. Aaron and the music team, they sang about one day, one day when we'll face the Lord. One day when all the tears and all the suffering and all of that is gone. That's eternal life. We've gone through the Christmas season and, and I'm sure you, like me, we have family members. They've gone on before us. I'll just be a little transparent here. It's like a week before Christmas. I didn't think this would get me. I was sitting in my living room waiting for Shelly to come home from work and uh, began to think of my mom. Passed away a couple of years ago. And... Uh, I just missed her. I just missed her. You know, my mom went to be with the Lord. I was so busy, funeral arrangements, selling her place in Florida, cleaning the place out. Really didn't have a lot of time to grieve. But here's the joy of knowing the Lord. And here's the joy of the scriptures that one day there'll be a great family reunion in heaven. Amen? One day. And it's good to know that mom and dad, your moms or dads perhaps, grandparents, children, are with the Lord. But that's the plan, and then there's the promise. The promise is eternal life. Just as the QRH saved 150 lives that day, the B-I-B-L-E saved lives. Eternal life. Eternal life. On your handout, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16, the Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Isn't that the question many people ask? Still asking today, what is it that I have to do so that I can have eternal life? And I say to you this morning, there is nothing that you can do with the exception of putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for you to have eternal life. Because it's not what we do, it's what Jesus has already done. He died and he paid for our sin on the cross. It's all done. And this was a rich young ruler. And um, Jesus challenged him. And he said, well, because he said to Jesus, you know, I've kept all the commandments and I've done this and I've done that. And Jesus said, well, why don't you just take everything that you have and sell it and give it to the poor? And that's where he, the man had made a God out of his possessions. And he wouldn't do that. And isn't it amazing? This man had great possessions, but yet there was something missing in his life. What do I have to do to have eternal life? There's something missing. And whether you have great possessions, and there's nothing wrong with owning things and having possessions, as long as you don't make a God out of them, or whether you have great possessions, you have no possessions, if you have Jesus Christ, 
you have everything that you really need to possess. That's the promise. But there's no good thing that you can do. We can't be religious enough to get to heaven. In fact, when Jesus said, listen, you have the scriptures, read what the prophets had to say. One of the prophets, Isaiah, said this. He said, all of our righteousnesses, I mean, all of our dues, all that we could possibly do in the name of hoping to get to heaven, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Because you see, we're born into this world as sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. In all the years I've pastored here, uh, up until Ethan, these last couple of years, has uh, become the lead pastor, none of that, none of what I've done as a pastor, none of that counts for me getting into heaven. Not a, not a speck of it. None of the hospital visits. None of the time that I prayed. None of that. None of, none of any of the, nor whatever you have done. None of the building renovations, none of the visitation, none of the monies that were given, none of that. Those are all good things. And we're, as believers, we're called to, to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But my good works are done because one day when I was 24 years old, I realized that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior and I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And my whole life was different. My whole life has changed, not right away, but slowly over time. But none of all these years that I've served the Lord here, almost 40 years serving the Lord in this ministry, none of that counts for me getting to heaven. None of it. What counts is the day I was 24 years old and I gave my life to Christ and I put my faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the promise was, this is the record, John chapter, 1 John chapter 5. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is through his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's all found in Jesus. And, and all of those things that I've mentioned and those things that maybe you've been involved with, those are good things. We do those because, just to serve the Lord. Because of what he's done for us. Look on your handout, this promise. 1 Corinthians 1.21 For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We proclaim the word of God. We proclaim the scriptures. The scriptures. This will, when I was a young Christian, this will kind of date me, but I remember preachers preaching. People, people don't want to hear you preach. What do they used to say? They don't want to hear you preaching. Uh, oh, it just, just slipped my mind. There was a, fam there was a well known magazine. Oh, I can't remember what. I don't even think it's printed any longer. Oh, that's what happens when you get old. You start to forget. Anyhow. I'll just use it. They don't, want to, they don't want to hear you preaching Time magazine. They want you to hear, they want you to, they want to hear the Bible, the Word of God. And then just read Time magazine, you'll just get more confused, you know. Reader's Digest. That's what I was thinking of. I don't know. Do they, do that, does they even print the Reader's Digest anymore? Do they? All right. So I'm not so dated after all. The Bible, the Word of God. 
We teach the children in junior church the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. If nothing else, let 2024 be the year that you, you determine to search the Scriptures. And when we preach, what do we preach? Well, here's Paul's instruction to Timothy. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. You know what reproval is? It means to be sometimes preaching, you're reprimanded through preaching. It, it steps, you know, the old phrase, it kind of steps on your toes. Preaching is meant to kind of poke around. The Word of God elsewhere is called a sword. And the sword's got a point on it. It kind of pokes around in different areas of your life. It's supposed to stir you and cause you to think about how oh, maybe this is wrong. And rebuke, that is, that is not just disapproval, that is a sharp disapproval. But then there's the encouragement as well. And exhort, that means to strongly encourage with all long-suffering and doctrine. And it's interesting too, but look at verse 40 of our text. Jesus said, you'll not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another? In other words, you guys, you're, it's more important for you to be recognized and to be honored by your colleagues than it is for you to be honored by your father. It was advice I was given in my ordination. The advice was, fill the pulpit, don't fill the pews. Because the time will come, Paul said, that they'll, they, they will not endure sound teaching. Or in, they will not endure sound doctrine, but they'll heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. Preach the Word of God. Live the Word of God. Love the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Jesus said, search the Scriptures. There's a plan. There's a promise. There's a promise. Do you know it's possible? Matthew Henry said this. I love Matthew Henry's commentaries. Matthew Henry wrote in the 1600s, he said this, it is possible for men to be studious in the letter of the scriptures and strangers to its influence and power. Did you get that? It is possible to be, for men to be studious in the letter of the scriptures, but strangers to its influence and its power. See, I truly believe that there is power in the word of God. I just believe that. That's why we share the word of God. I've, in, my min, in my years of ministry, I have spent very little time telling other religions or looking at other faiths what's wrong. I've spent most of my time just preaching the truth of God's Word. Because there's power in the Word of God. That's how it works. Holy, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, takes the Word of God and convinces men and women and boys and girls that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Paul said, I come not to you with excellency of speech, but by a power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. But that's the plan. That's the, that's the promise that's been given. 
Romans 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's the same chapter that says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You hear about Jesus, you hear what he's done. But then it says this, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? Skipping a part of that verse. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, how, how shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? Hmm. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And so the word goes forth. And people, sometimes it's at a preaching service, a teaching service. Sometimes it's just in your own devotions. God speaks to you through his word. Whew. There's power in God's Word. That's why it's often called the most... I mean, read, read the history of the Bible and how often... Why are there countries today that ban, absolutely ban the Bible? You would be, we would be, in some countries, arrested and thrown into prison for what we're doing here today. How come the Bible is banned? Because it's such an influence on lives. Search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. So, verse 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. The plan, the promise, and then the last part of the verse is, and they are they which testify of me. The person of Jesus. The person of Jesus Christ. I was driving my daughter to the Albany airport the other day, and I was coming back, and on the return trip, I came up over Petersburg Pass, and there was a road sign there. I forget what the road, just a typical road sign. But somebody had put a bumper sticker on that road sign. And the road sign, and the sticker said, try Jesus. And I thought about that. You don't try Jesus, you trust him. If I, we're talking about airplanes a little bit. I don't ever want to get on an airplane I think I'll try this pilot today and see what kind of a pilot he is. Now, when I get on an airplane, I trust that the pilot, he or she, knows what they're doing. But Jesus said, you look into the Scriptures. I've given you the plan, I've given you the promise, and the Scriptures, they speak of me. They testify of me. And whether it's in the Old Testament or whether it's in the New Testament, they all point to Jesus. Whether we're talking about the Pentateuch, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we get into, I don't care what book of the Bible, whether it's the book of Joshua, whether it's the book of Judges, whether it's, whether it's the Psalms, whether it's Job, whether it's, whether it's the minor prophets, whether it's the major prophets, you read them and they all point to Jesus. To Jesus. Not just in the prophecies, but in the types. The entire Old Testament economy was, was just different types of Christ. They testify of him. Jesus said, verse 10, chapter 10 and verse 28 on your handout, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Eternal life comes from Christ. The finished work of Calvary. Paul would say this, 
1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 in your handout. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to, there it is again, the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Look to the Scriptures. What must I do, the rich man said, to have eternal life? Well, if you were to ask me that, I'd say, look to the Scriptures. Don't look to me. I can't confirm anyone into heaven. I can't even confirm myself into heaven. Only Jesus can do that. Well, I just finished with this and I'm done. The problem is in verse 40. Look what Jesus said. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. That's the problem. He said to them, you religious leaders, you won't come to me that you'd have life. I'm right here. I think about that as I just finish up this morning. How many people throughout history have been approached with the gospel or preached to with the gospel, given a gospel track, and they just refuse to come to Jesus? I pity those people to be so close yet so far. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior. I'm glad you're here this morning, but you're not getting any closer to heaven by walking through the doors of this church. There's only one door, and Jesus claimed that he was the door. The problem is, it's not because they cannot, it's because they will not. That's the problem. We look to the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. We can just have everyone still and no one getting up and leaving. And for me, this is the most important part of the service. Because this is the time that you can spend a little bit of private time with the Lord. So again, my challenge to you is, if you're a believer this morning, is are you searching the Scripture? Are you a Berean Christian? Where every day you spend some time in God's Word. There's so many tools today. Almost probably everyone in this auditorium, with maybe some exceptions of the teenagers, has a cell phone. The Bible is right on your phone. Search the Scriptures. By the way, in that John chapter 10, that's the great chapter of the sheep and the, and the shepherd where Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. He also promised abundant life in that chapter as well. Search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. But if you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching on the live stream, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior? It's not what you do, it's what He's done. It's not trying Him out. It's not like putting on a pair of shoes or a shirt, seeing if it fits. It's putting your trust in Him. You admit that you're a sinner, 
You do this at the privacy of your seat. You believe that Jesus died and he paid for your sin. In the quietness of the moment, you just call out to him, Lord, I am a sinner. And I believe, Jesus, you died and paid for my sin. And today I put my trust in you and you alone, nothing else, just you. Because that's what the scriptures say. It's sad because elsewhere in the scriptures, there will be those that stand before the Lord and say, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. And they were trusting in their works. And you know what Jesus will say to them? Depart from me. I never knew you. You didn't put your trust in me in my work. So again, with our heads bowed, maybe that's you this morning. Or if you're on the live stream, maybe in the quietness of the moment, you've just called out for Jesus to be your Savior. If you have, on the way out this morning, maybe just come up and say, Pastor, Pastor Eric, I, today I asked Christ into my heart to be my Savior. I'd never done that before, but today I did that. If you're watching on the live stream, send us a message. We'd like to be praying for you. In any way we can help you grow in your faith. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us to instruct us, to guide us through life. We pray now that, Lord, if someone here has not put their faith in you, that today would be the day that they would put their faith in you. God, I pray that we would be challenged as we leave to be in your word daily, that you would, we would allow you to teach us that we'd grow in, in our faith and in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know. And we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.